0: All right, ready. Hello, uh, welcome me... to, welcome, went see playing about with the screen. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Podiatry Detectives. I'm Sherlock and I'm speaking to Colombo. Say hello, Colombo.
1: Yeah. Hi, Sherlock.
0: Hello, hello Colombo. Just in case our listeners, because oh. we're making this into a podcast, and viewers are wondering why we are talking about Sherlock and Colombo. Yeah, see that? My green screen umbrella came on screen. Um, just in case you're wondering, we were wondering at the end of the first episode what we are going to call our show, and we went through various suggestions and Tulseif came up with a suggestion, let's call ourselves detectives because he's often been called one by his patients. So, hence, the podiatry detectives.
1: How are you Tulseif? I'm not very bad uh, at all, I'm pretty good. I've, um, no, I've been not up very, well, you are very well. I'm very well. Active, very yeah, well. I've had my, I've had my 5K run. I've been for a walk. Um, along with that, just one outing, not like two different outings. In case they
0: <laughs> find you, right? How? I mean, you look really tired. Those bags under your eyes look even worse than
1: normal. Well, today I just woke up at five o'clock in the morning, uh, having to prepare for all these presentations. Uh, a bit.
0: You were that nervous? Oh my God. All right, so before we start, today we are going to be talking about first MTB day, um, Big Toe. Big Toe. Big Toe pain. But before we start that, I'm going to put Dorsif on the spot again. So at the beginning of each video, I ask him an uncomfortable uh, question and I'll make him squirm in his chair a little bit. So today's question, Dorsif, what is the guilty pleasure that you're looking forward to when this virus, coronavirus, pandemic ends please make sure it's a PG version answer
1: please so what is your what um, is the guilty pleasure that you're looking forward to my, my guilty pleasure is that I sometimes go to Damascena, which is on Harbourn High Street uh-huh. and uh, I do indulge in their uh, shawarmas as well as uh, they have like these little uh, I don't know what they call them um, uh, sweet treats um, and Baklava. there's like, pardon? Baklavas. Baklava. Baklavas. And uh, they have like several selections of them. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I like to have like one, uh, uh, one of each um, and they do make me sick afterwards. But uh, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. What about yours? You can
0: guess my guilty pleasure because that's where you find me on, on like uh, two evenings a week uh is to um smoke shisha because that's one of my guilty pleasures although i know it's very bad for me but um i um I do have very mild flavours like watermelon and lemon but there you go um it still doesn't bear in mind it, it is my only guilty pleasure is like is like Shisha or hookah. Okay, shall we start the presentation, Mr. Let's go. Columbo. Let's go Colombo <laughs>
1: Okay, let's start share the screen first. Okay. All right, let's go to page one. Can you see the can you see the presentation? Let's go. Let's play. So today what we're going to do is that we're going to be talking about big toe. Um and uh, what are the different conditions which can actually affect big toes. We're going to be into um, the causes the symptoms the treatments and I think uh, um, you probably will agree that the thing which we are more going to go into a bit more detail is about the treatments and what we would do in the clinic uh, in the clinical settings for you
0: yeah um, this is some, I mean something that we see a lot of um, something that can be poorly managed by certain health professionals um, and it's 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 definitely worth, I mean if you've got, if you've ever had any issues with your big toe, this presentation is something that you definitely want to refer back to a few times. Uh, so see if you want to move it on a bit because I can't see any. There you go, investigating big toe by the podiatry detectives. Okay,
1: so some of the common conditions that we're gonna be talking about are uh, arthritis. There are uh, different type of arthritis. Uh, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, gout, which can actually affect big toes. We're gonna to be talking about hallux limitus and hallux rigidus. We'll uh, uh, talk about it in, in a little bit more detail and explain what these uh, technical terms are. Uh, bunions, one of the biggest things uh, or the most uh, common thing that I see in my clinical settings. Uh, we're gonna be talking about that turf toe, sesamoditis and uh, Abid's going to be shedding some uh, light well, on neuroma. Uh, I, asked Jop- him put,
0: I asked him to put Joppa's neuroma in actually. It's a very rare condition but I, I have seen it a few times and it's interesting So, and it's something that I think fellow health professionals that may watch this presentation
1: might find it interesting as well. Well, personally, the reason I was uh, thinking not to actually include it is because um, I am uh, thinking that this uh, presentation, this video, this podcast is going to be listened by our patients rather than the healthcare professionals. Um, And uh, that's why, and it is a rare condition, hence why I didn't include it. So I I I kind of focus on... I will talk later on. Yeah.
0: Sometimes misdiagnosed as just bunion pain because it is actually on the site of the, Mm -hmm. um, where you would normally have a bunion. But okay, we will talk about it a little bit.
1: Cool. So the first thing which we're going to be talking about is rheumatoid arthritis. Now, all right.
0: All right. So, um, I let's see stuff first.
1: So, rheumatoid arthritis, as as we know, is a very common form of um, inflammatory arthritis which affects the big toe. Um, one of the signs and symptoms, uh, what you'd find is that uh, pain, stiffness, flare-ups, deformities, nodules. These are the. Um, I think uh, pretty much with all the is uh, these are the common sort of um, signs and symptoms that you would see. But uh, being a rheumatoid arthritic patient, um, usually they know that they, are, they, they have got rheumatoid arthritis um, and um, they will come to see us um, having uh, several issues with regards to the feet, uh, not just the big toe, but big toe is the common sort of uh, affected uh, toe in there. Uh.
0: So let's, that? Let's, let's go back a little bit. With, mm-hmm. with rheumatoid arthritis, in your experience, or does it affect males or females, or is it is it is it quite equal in its uh, distribution?
1: It does affect uh, um, in fact actually it affects uh, female more than male. Okay. the reason I, I didn't go into too much detail about this um, a bit is um, because I'm thinking we should actually do a rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, podcast on it's own and how it
0: actually affects it but like like, while we're on this subject so obviously it it affects females more um Mm -hmm. now apart from big toe pain that they get from from rheumatoid arthritis you mentioned they can have um uh, pain and stiffness now it's really important to tell people that it's not only stiffness in your feet you will get stiffness throughout your body body, but uh, in various multiple joints um joints so w- 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 one of the things is in the early stages you will be getting random swellings of joints where you're not quite sure why they are swelling up and you'll think have I bruised it have I d-? and then when it moves later on um the asdorsif we'll talk about in a minute the foot tends to collapse a bit a lot more and the big toe takes the brunt of that
1: yeah, absolutely, and and um, it's a condition which kind of starts uh, showing its signs in uh, the feet and uh, the hands uh, before it would do anywhere else. Um, so usually we don't really see uh, the severe deformities in this day and age uh, for our newer patients because uh, the condition is managed really well with the medication. However, some of our uh, uh, patients who have been diagnosed for like uh, 30 40 50 years um, they can come with severe deformities uh, i think i've added a picture uh, uh, moving forward um something
0: so that, that i don't i mean ra rheumatoid uh, arthritis patients it's not something that i see a lot of but from managing from from like managing them in the past i know it is very difficult and we've got to be very careful with the kind of orthotics that we put in because they won't be able to tolerate um something that's too aggressive uh would you agree to see?
1: yeah so in terms of one of the things which i would uh, really like to uh mention in the treatment section is that uh, i always talk to the patients about uh, um when they have rheumatoid arthritis um 50 60 or 70 percent of their uh, um, pain is managed by the medication and how good the uh, their uh, disease control is and uh, how how is disease behaving so if they're having a the flare-up um, that needs to be managed with the, the medication rather than um, uh, footwear changes or orthotics not gonna if, if, somebody,
0: if somebody came to you and they came to you with big toe pain and mm-hmm. they had rheumatoid arthritis and you and you decided that one of your interventions was going to be an orthotic, an insult would you look for certain characteristics in that particular orthotic?
1: I would. Um, so patients who have severe sort of deformities tend to go, go toward accommodative uh, orthotics where we are trying to manage the symptoms and it's a softer insole. Um, we're uh, providing cushioning um, we're doing functional control, but in a minimal sort of level. Let me,
0: let, me, let me just butt in a second. In case anybody's listening and, and they're thinking, what's accommodative and what's functional? Accommodative essentially is a, it's a more softer material. It's a comfortable yeah. material. We're, we're not trying to change how the patient walks too much, unlike a functional one, which is a rigid material. And we're really trying to change the way a patient walks now. Sorry, carry on.
1: Um, so functional is more towards younger patients who still have, uh, doesn't have like a lot of uh, deformities and they still have really good foot function uh, despite the pain. Um, that's when I'd, uh, I'd uh, use a functional device to control the movement of uh, of their feet.
0: Okay uh, and I mean obviously we've, we've spoken about in the first episode about injection therapy. Injection therapy for first MTBJ um, pain for rheumatoid arthritic patients is a great treatment option, Uh, keeps them going for some time actually, would you agree?
1: Yeah so generally if the um, disease is uh, diagnosed really early and managed really well then uh, the damage to the joints is uh, minimal, however if somebody hasn't been diagnosed for uh, uh, like a year or two years some of the damage that you end up causing to the big toe or any joint uh, um, cannot be reversed. Uh, so hence why um, the injection therapies and stuff like that um, is quite um, quite helpful.
0: Okay, uh, do you want to move on or is there anything else you
1: want to um, say? Uh, just to quickly mention um, bespoke footwear is another uh, um, thing that which we when I worked in the NHS um, we closely worked with the, the orthotists uh, because a lot of these patients because they have a lot of uh, deformities they cannot fit into a normal uh, um, off-the-shelf uh, sort of shoe. At the latter stages you mean? Yeah you Yeah, could, predominantly at the latter stages or mid-latter to stages because I mean, uh,
0: it, yeah, you'll see a picture in a minute I think those put one in because when we say latter stages people people will be thinking why can't they fit into footwear and you'll see in a minute why they can't fit into a footwear.
1: Yeah as well as if um, if you have an insole introduced for uh, for patients like them and yeah. uh, they're cooking insoles they have to be fairly thick to be able to go into the shoe so hence, why the footwear is really important when you're considering the the orthotics as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Okay. Your oh, uh, arthritis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I've, the, I've just gone back onto the rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. Um,
0: now, as you can see from this picture, this I mean, look, that's quite an angle for the bunion, uh, for the bunion joint. But you can see almost all the toes are okay. subluxed or dislocated, so they're so, all in a contracted position, aren't they? Mm-hmm and the arch is completely collapsed.
1: Absolutely. So this can be quite difficult to accommodate in a normal uh, normal shoe. So, well, I think osteoarthritis is a, um, easily the most common form of arthritis suffered by everybody on the planet.
0: I, I mean, so I see a lot of osteoarthritis in the big toe in like, golfers because I, tr- I treat quite a few golfers now obviously because of the swing because of the if it's if they're swinging on their on their and they're going to pivot on their right foot oftentimes they'll get discomfort and osteoarthritic changes uh from there the other uh, factors as he's mentioned as like uh, i thought he's mentioned in in the slide is obviously injury obesity overuse um and in my particular demographic who where's it gone in my particular <laughs> demographic um, it, when I see a lot of athletes now athletes can get this at various stages door see if it's having a play about with the slideshow Sorry, I'm, <laughs> um, it's so not I, working. I've seen it in um, I've seen it in cricketers I've seen it in footballers um, I've seen it in a few footballers actually depends on how many times they keep on um, uh, how many exposures they have how many kicks they have but often it can also happen post injury so you've kicked somebody else's foot you've kicked their stud, you've caused you've caused a sprain or you've caused some micro damage within that joint um it heals but it doesn't quite heal and then you get uh over time it happens again and you get osteoarthritic changes within there um what kind of demographic, what kind of patients do you see with osteoarthritis in the big toe?
1: I think uh, generally um, the ages uh, would be like middle to late uh, 50s, 60s, uh, you start see the onset of these uh, things. It can be earlier, um, it can be later as well. Um, it's very much uh, associated with overuse. Um, so if you've got our functional abnormalities or uh, if you are using a particular joint as we 're talking about a big toe joint if you 're using it excessively and if your job involves uh, where you are uh, hyper extending it if you 're moving it all the way up, uh, um, that overuses it and causes um, causes the damage
0: also let's let 's talk about a little bit about like biomechanics if you 've got very tight um, hip extensors um, uh, calf muscles hamstrings. You will end up loading more onto the ball of your foot more during a walking normal walking or running gait, and uh, that can lead to my, that could lead to an overuse injury over time. Um, it's a contributing factor, and it's often we. I mean, I often try and address that as well as because as well as the localized problem. Um, but you are right; it is it is very much overuse. Um, tell me about how you treat it in your
1: clinic? Um, Generally, it often comes with a lot of other things that we're actually seeing, and it doesn't come in as a a standalone uh, big toe problem. So you'd see that they might have past foot type, flat feet. um, They might have reduced uh, range of movement because uh, uh, of the damage uh, in the joint. So usually the treatments that we mentioned here is uh, painkillers. they can be quite helpful. Exercises, gentle mobilization exercises, uh, strengthening exercises for the toe is quite a good one. Um, if it's, I, I talked about hallux limitus moving forward there, which is a condition um, which can be arisen from osteoarthritis. Um, and we mentioned some of the treatments there. Um, mild sort of mild to moderate arthritis responds really well to the injection therapies. Severe cases, not so much because there isn't any joint um, uh, joint space left for you to inject anything um, orthotic therapy does uh, a fairly decent job of it uh, uh, along with the footwear and like i said we're going to be talking about hallux limiters and hallux rigidus, and i think that's where our, uh, we'll go into the treatment a little bit more there
0: okay um i mean generally you just went through all the treatments in my what i normally do is i will start off with some custom orthotics Uh, Mm -hmm. they tend to have a first met um, cut out so they'll Mm -hmm. have space and I might give them a a various wedge so that means I'm tilting the front part of their foot so uh, and that's built in intrinsically into the orthotics so so they're not putting too much weight on. uh, Are you
1: talking about the forefoot or the rear foot?
0: The forefoot so I'm going to give an intrinsic wedge on the forefoot and I'm going to tilt the forefoot as well as uh, I may I may or may not do anything to the rear foot of the orthotic. I might just give it a supportive arch support, um, and I normally um, that's just my demographic. But they want to get back to doing their activity, so I, I'm accepting it quite a lot. But I always insist on orthotics and rehab and in my case the rehab would be obviously gentle mobilization gentle movement of the big toe but i'm looking at their hamstrings and i'm looking at their calf muscles i'm saying why are they loading up um it might be something specific so if i'm seeing a golfer um i don't know anything about golf absolutely nothing because i think it's the most boring game in the world but i do know some physios that see a lot of golfers so i might send the patient to a particular physio. Who who can have a look at their swing, have a look at the biomechanics of their swing, and see okay, is this something that we can change? Um, because they want to carry on doing that particular activity. That's their end point. Um, if you had somebody who's not a sporting person, all they want to do is just walk for the walk with the dog. Insoles work pretty well, and a change of footwear, obviously.
1: Um, we at uh, Movement Therapy Clinic uh we're quite blessed that uh, we have uh, um, osteopaths we have strength and conditioning coaches we've got several physiotherapists in-house in the uh, in the clinic uh, where we can actually refer to the appropriate person uh, for them to actually have a look at up the chain and help you with your rehab plan
0: okay cool Get out.
1: Get out. Oh my god, it is. I I read a quote on on gout and um, somebody said that uh, they've been in a war, they've been shot at, they've been, uh, uh, they had broken bones, they had broken skull and the pain of gout was worse than the pain of all of them things.
0: So let me put this into um, context. Gout is known as an inflammatory arthritis. Now we have other inflammatory arthritis. We've got, you can get similar symptoms in the Big toe from ankylosing spondylitis. You can get it from like psoriatic arthritis, which is when you have like a psoriasis and um, you get arthro- arthritic pain. You can also get these rarer forms of, um, inflammatory arthritis one of them is called SARS sexually acquired reactive arthritis you there are many different types of uh, reactive arthritis like like inflammatory arthritis gout is by far the most common one we see and if you show me a patient's lifestyle you show me what they eat i'll tell you if they get (laughs) if they're gonna get gout or not you know gout gout is one of those things it does not uh, uh, discriminate it doesn't matter what you are if you eat Right, you're gonna get you're gonna get gout eventually, it's just a matter of time. Or if you're a heavy drinker, you are gonna get it. Um, and obviously, there's all other factors he's put. I mean, he you've put down their high purine diet. Uh, we know red meat, red meat,
1: red meat, shellfish, uh, um, yeah, all these uh, alcohol, um,
0: and uh, fish yeah, as well in, fish, in general, and his junk food is, is just they tend to be obese, tend to be overweight. Tell me, also, people that have a lot of sugar, like uh, insulin, spice from sweets, and all sorts, I've, I've found that also. Tell me how they present in clinic. This should be interesting. Walk, how do they walk in, Kusif?
1: <laughs> Usually, I, I, you mentioned about all the other uh, um, inflammatory arthritis affecting the big toe, but I, I couldn't agree more that gout is by far the most common one, which actually affects the big toe. And uh, quite easy one to diagnose, uh, um, should I say. When somebody comes in, uh, you know that they have gout. And um, from this simple sort of, if they're not being diagnosed with gout, uh, or they're not aware that they had gout um, before, you can see it's a very angry toe, um, inflamed, red, hot, swollen, in some cases, you can actually see that uh, white toffee like um, yeah. discharge coming from uh, from the gait as well. And it is incredibly intense. It's hot, it's
0: really hot. So, um, yeah. okay, so first of all, the patient will be struggling to walk. Yeah. It is important to ask um, about trauma because yeah. you never, ever know. You, They might have knocked it. Might have been mm-hmm. trauma. Now, do you... Generally, send off for bloods before you do anything. Do you normally get uh,
1: yeah. again? I'm quite lucky that being in um, a GP surgery as well, that I can when I worked in the NHS. Oh, so, see if you're is,
0: now, man, you've been like you're like you're like a movement uh, therapy where you've got all these other people, you're at GP <laughs> surgery where you've got all these other people.
1: I, <laughs> <I'm a self. laughs> Well, when I worked in the National Health, um, it used to be easy because they've been diagnosed. I can actually access their uh, um, notes, uh, their blood tests and everything uh, uh, from wherever they were. It gives you a very good uh, idea and you can diagnose it easily. But being uh, with the GP in a GP surgery, I can easily send them to the GP, get them diagnosed. um, And uh, what they need is they need... uh, um, immediate anti-inflammatories, and I generally get them to start off on uh, whatever they prefer: ibuprofen, naproxen, whatever they use. They, they start go on that um, to start off with while they're having the blood test. Um, I can never pronounce this. Uh, if I think I missed uh, the L there, it's colcicine. I was
0: actually wondering what you've written down, what you written down. But I thought I thought I'd be quiet.
1: It's a typo, actually. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, if, if somebody had a flare drop, they generally go onto, the, um, onto that medication fairly straight away. And that's uh, uh, for um, just after the onset. But if they need management at the long term um, and uh, they can't control what they eat and they're not being careful in terms of their drinking and stuff, then they have to go into a low dose um, allopurinol to yeah. be able to manage uh, their character.
0: Allopurinol is a tablet it's a uh, systemic medication um, so when they first come to me uh, and if I've got a if I've got a good idea I would do exactly the same as you so I would put them on I would ask them to take anti-inflammatories and write a letter to the doctor I want to see a blood test uh, because normally because I or I'll take their bloods as well sometimes because I take bloods all the time um, I send them off to a lab in London and I'll get the results in two days but they have to pay for a private blood test so sometimes they just have to a, a nhs doctor um i give him a lecture about lifestyle um, a proper lecture i uh, proper finger wagging um even though we're podiatrists and we're not uh, dietitians but some of this is common sense man you don't need to be a dietitian to know some common sense stuff um and um at a later stage you put steroid injection here i do a lot i have injected these and i'll probably inject one or two a month but at least one a month um and what i normally do is i put the needle in first i get an empty syringe and i'll try and mm-hmm. suck what's in there you you'll see what comes out it's discharge yeah. with, it's like lumpy discharge take that mm-hmm. out and then leave leave the needle in there and then put then put some like a steroid in there um
1: yeah it works quite well actually um because um, as we know that steroid injection um the steroids are anti inflammatory and uh well mm, Having that localized medication um, just speeds up that process of, yeah, uh, this calms of down.
0: Down. This calms, just calms it down uh, but this i mean this gout, unlike the other uh, inflammatory arthritis that I spoke about, this is really lifestyle related the and the other inflammatory
1: arthritises um Sometimes patients don't have a we, patient. Don't have uh, we don't really know why people would get some of uh, um, hereditary is one of the main um, main thing. But apart from that, we don't really, really know why one would develop um, inflammatory arthritis. But yeah. Uh, and you. Um, treatments, I think uh, footwear advice would be great to start off with. Um, orthotic interventions for acute cases. Of course you're not going to give an orthotic um but uh, once if somebody had a recurrent sort of uh, um, gout um onset uh, gout attack on their uh, big toe that leaves with the lasting sort of damage um, to the joint um and in that in in that sort of instance uh orthotics can be quite helpful
0: so when when uh so talking about that what he's talking about is Every time you get a gout attack, you get these trophic crystals that form inside the joint, and if you if you're not if if you get them once in a blue moon is one thing, but if you're getting them constantly, you'll get a, a stiffness of the joint, won't you? So that joint won't be moving anymore. Well, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll move less, won't it? That yeah. that means you'll get a secondary pain now. So now you've got no gout there, but you've got a secondary pain because you've got almost got a wear and tear of the joint. Um, then, yeah, autotics mm-hmm. would be great then.
1: I love uh, the way you are further explaining my... Um, <laughs> what I'm actually saying, Sherlock. I'm loving it.
0: Uh, that's why I'm Sherlock. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> on
1: Colombo. What's, what's uh, one of one of the things that Colombo does really well is that he acts dumb, doesn't
0: he? He's the most intelligent one out of all of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, bunions, I think everybody will be uh, wondering about bunions and uh, the big, when you're talking about the big toe. So, by far, before, before you
0: move on, go back to that slide, I go, go, I go back to that slide there. Now move your cursor over, explain what a bunion is when you, when you show that picture.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, move your no, cursor. I can't even actually see my cursor. You can't see your cursor? But ah, right, forget about that. But, uh, I think so uh, it's, it's, a, the, bunion, it's I think, a deviation of the toe, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Everybody would know what bunion is. It's just uh, a lumpy, big, uh, lumpy foot, uh, like toe on uh, on their on their feet. Um, <clears throat> it's a deviation of the toe. Um, can come in uh, several stages. Stage one, which is early stages, two, three, four. Um, in a fourth stage, uh, the toe would be like underriding and or overriding all. Uh, the other toes. So so yeah, that's what a bunion is.
0: Okay, cool.
1: So. Right, causes and uh, treatments for the bunion. So, um, exact cause is unknown. Um, hereditary, um, it, it is very much hereditary. I'm going to ask you a question about uh, uh, one of the other things uh, and see what you think of it. Um, secondary to rheumatoid arthritis, so patients who suffer with rheumatoid arthritis uh, uh, is a secondary uh, to that um now uh, we all talk about this that um, your shoes are going to make uh, uh, your bunions worse or I've been or patients come to you and say to you that uh, um right, i've got bunions because i've i've been wearing uh, uh, high heels all my life or i've been wearing uh, rubbish shoes all my life now what is your take on footwear affecting the bunions
0: um i am i'm still of the old school mentality that it is a factor uh just because if i just look at it biomechanically if you put your foot in that position if you narrow the toe space over time and if you wear that particular shoe for six seven hours a day um you are going to physically cause. I mean we know from like Wolf's law, which is if you maintain any structure in a certain position, it will adapt. So um if you maintain the foot in a position, it will adapt. Um, so I I am still of the I am still of the thought process that footwear can be a causative factor. I do think however biomechanics is something that we don't address more. I think there is I think when people say uh, a hereditary, I'm thinking, I've actually now, I've got to a stage in my life where I'm actually thinking it's not that fact that because their mom had it, they're going to get it. I actually think it's because of biomechanical like structures further up in the chain that the reason why they're getting it because they're putting more, um, they're putting more force within that. And that may have something to do with hip rotation so depending Mm -hmm. on how your hips how much internal external rotation you've got on your hips you will load up more on the inside of your foot um but yeah you you're completely right what's your thought process on it do you think that footwear footwear is a causative factor
1: i think it's definitely a contributing factor um especially when it comes to the symptoms and the stuff anyway um however the evidence or the research behind it is uh, is very weak. Now, that could could be for two reasons. Number one, it could be because uh, to be able to do research for a really long period of time, like 20, 30 years, to be able to see whether uh, um, it actually causes um, effect or uh, or not is really difficult and uh, time, time-consuming and uh, financially it's just not worthwhile and i think that's one of the reasons why we haven't got the research behind it but yeah i i'd I'd agree to a certain degree that uh, yes it it is a contributing factor how much we don't know
0: okay um treatments so you put conservative down um let's go rather than read these out what would be Mm -hmm. your when if somebody came to you uh with Uh, early to mid-stage bunions, Mm -hmm. they're getting pain around that big toe joint and the first MTP joint, Um, what would be your normal protocol?
1: So generally I divide these uh, into two sort of categories. Number one, when patients are getting pain because of compression of the shoe and uh, because of the rubbing of the shoe, if the shoes are tight what they're getting is that they're getting that superficial pressure on the bony, bony deformity, which is causing that pinching moment and which is causing the pain. Now that has got nothing to do with the joint. And for that, it's very simple, cushioning pad, footwear, uh, good footwear, um, nice and wide, or uh, use the material which is a bit more softer, uh, um, upper uh, for, the, for the shoe allows that uh, to breathe. There's gel cushioning pads, there's semi semi-compressant cushioning pads, and that solves the problem. Now, then uh, there is a problem with the joint. Um, if a joint is uh, painful, then I would start to have a look at their function. I would have a look at their gait. I would have a look at their uh, movements um, from the top all the way to the bottom. And uh, that's after evaluating all that, then whatever I've found, um, that's when I would uh, give them a functional orthotic to support with that movement. Okay. That's my initial and uh, main um, uh, conservative management. Of course, if um, the pain is really bad, I, would, I might actually inject uh, um, in it. Of course, um, the other things which I'd do is uh, taping for a short period, but I wanted to ask you is the, what's your thoughts on uh, splints and taping um, for the correction of uh, the bunion, as well as, Do you do anything different to what I do?
0: Um, So I break them up into two or three different categories. There are some some ladies who come in, they're they're not in any pain, but they just don't like it aesthetically. If they don't like Mm -hmm. it aesthetically, I give them the option. I go, look, you could try a day splint and a night splint. And then if you don't find that is beneficial, I can refer you on to a surgeon. They tend not to even go for the splinting. They just say, refer me to a surgeon, fine. Um, those that don't want surgery I will do exactly what you said so footwear cushioning pads orthotics uh, definitely uh, and I will tell them that we're not going to make this any better but we'll stop it from getting any worse okay and, and it's,
1: more symptom, it's more symptom management rather than uh, the correction of the bunion but you'll be
0: surprised how many ladies just not in any pain but they just they just want um, uh, they just I mean, two of our closest friends are going to become surgeons soon, uh, Osama and Aisha, so we'll be sending them to them. It'll be me and you at the bottom level of podiatry, and they'll be over there somewhere.
1: Well, interestingly, I actually had a conversation with a foot surgeon, um, who I asked him him the question of uh, that, when should I be referring uh, somebody for um, their uh, bunion surgery? And uh, it was quite interesting um, to know that uh, uh, he said it's all it all depends on their quality of life. Yeah. And uh, for some people, the quality of life is uh, um, pain, and that's uh, inhibiting their uh, quality of life. But for some people, um, if they are model, uh, if they're modeling their feet, their quality of life is that uh, the foot needs to look aesthetically pleasing to be able to um, for them to do the job. So. So it varies from person to person, doesn't
0: it? I think, I mean, this is something that I have a particular passion in because I think that, not bunions, but I have a particular passion in the psychosocial impact of of foot conditions on a person's psyche. So I don't think that people, I don't think podiatrists in general take this seriously. So we are trained to treat pain, all right, generally pain. But when somebody comes to you and says, Look, I can't sleep at night because I don't. I'm not because I'm in pain. I hate the shape of my feet. I hate the size of. I don't like looking at them. And generally, we would do exactly what what like Atosif's just done and just smile, right? Because we're thinking she's not in any pain, right? So what is wrong with you? But I, I take this a lot more seriously now. I do as well, seriously. It's because it's it's,
1: and I, I, but I don't think many of our colleagues do. I really don't. Uh, I, I think. I'd agree with you, I think um, historically for what I've actually seen when patients have come to see me um, and um, often podiatrists uh, do put them off from uh, surgeries, um, I I inform them about the surgery, I inform them about uh, the procedures, what they will be required to do afterwards, how long the recovery period is gonna be, what different type of surgeries that they can uh, they can actually have mm-hmm. and briefly, let, them make, uh, let them make a decision and, and it all comes down to the quality of life and uh, for everybody it's different.
0: So briefly, I mean uh, we're going to try and boost some surgeons up here, well, which are the surgeons that you tend to like to refer to in Birmingham?
1: Well uh, my local surgeon which is um, in Edgbaston uh, Priory is John Malik. If yes. there is Anything uh, regarding the four foot bunions, the uh, lesser toe sort of surgeries, I would refer them to John Malik. Um, Mr. Goswami is the one which I did a uh, um, few months of shadowing uh, um, around with him and he's a foot and ankle orthopedic consultant. He, um, he's uh, in certain cold field, and he does mid foot and rear foot surgeries uh, um, as well as he works for Walsall Hospital. So that's uh, who I refer to
0: i oh, I have three surgeons that I refer to uh, Stuart Metcalf in Birmingham uh, brilliant brilliant surgeon um, there is uh, Trevor Pryor, who I send certain certain patients to, or like Ola Napaddia who doesn 't treat that many patients now but also brilliant um, and then if they some patients come and ask for like a minimally invasive surgery because they 've seen it on YouTube. And then I send them to our man, Kayser Nazir, because uh, he he does minimally invasive surgery. Um, so I'll send him to him. So those three are in London, and Stuart Metcalf is in Birmingham. I've never, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never had the urge to become a surgeon. Um, I don't know if you've had the urge. It's not, it's not something that oh, I really, I did consider it many, many years ago. Um, but it's not something that, you have to have a passion in it. If you don't have a passion in something, you just don't do it.
1: I think uh, I think uh, it takes a very long period of time and yes you need passion and you need passion and that same sort of drive for a long long period of time and I think uh, I'm too old for it I've got kids now old? Not...
0: What are you chatting about look at those young handsome looks you can you you you're no more than 22 years old but anyway but I, I mean like my my passion lies in like in sports medicine not in surgery but I don't think I don't. I. am not
1: an advocate
0: of surgery, bone surgery.
1: And I'm, and neither am I. I. And I think I'd, like yourself, I'm much uh, more involved in sports, and that's where my moving forward. That's where my uh, focus is um, toward, um, and that's why I enjoy doing so. Okay. So, yeah.
0: Do you want to move on? What we've we got left. So, okay.
1: Halux limitus and rigidus. So, so halux limitus. And rigidus is mere um, a term which uh, tells you that limited movement in big toe and no movement in big toe at all. So it can be risen from uh, all the things that we've mentioned previously: arthritis, osteoarthritis, um, functional movement, structural abnormalities. Uh, what we uh, the feet that we've actually inherited. All these things can have an impact and cause functional, um, uh, the hallux limitus or rigidus. There is a slight distinction between um, functional hallux limitus and then hallux limitus. Mm-hmm. And functional hallux limitus would be um, when you are weight bearing and you just cannot uh, get that windlass mechanism going and the, the due to the positioning of your foot, the movement in the big toe is reduced. But as soon as you lift your foot up and then you try to move it, and um, there is full movement uh, available in, in the big top. Um One of the symptoms, um, again, same to all the other things, um, pain, stiffness, inflammation, loss of function, um, and uh, it's very similar to osteoarthritis uh, um, sort of symptoms. In terms of the treatment wise, um, I, I think it's, uh, you take a patient as a whole, and uh, try to identify, be a detective, be a Colombo, and identify where this is coming from, whether it is a localized issue, whether it's coming all the way from up the chain, and uh, that's how you can treat it successfully. But there's uh, um, some examples uh, in terms of footwear, um, if you do have halux rigidus or halux limitus, um, you would, um, if you use a rocker bottom shoe, uh, that generally, helps you to move off. Big toe movement is required to be able to toe off. So then sort of shoes, uh, stiff uh, shoes, they help you to do that. Um, Orthotics, I use um, orthotics very often as you mentioned with the first ray cutout uh, um, it's very much again dependent on where it's coming from then treating it that way. Um, Injection therapy again the same uh, thing as we mentioned before. If there is uh, if there is localized pain, it's inflamed, it's causing uh, trouble, um, and it's limitus. Limitus meaning that it still has some space in the joint for you to kind of inject in. Um, when it becomes rigidus, uh, then there isn't any um, any space in there, and it's really difficult to get in there and inject, and uh, my experience hasn't been great. Uh, not that I've injected a lot of uh, um, rigiduses, but uh, usually I've seen people who, been to somebody, had an injection and uh, that played up the um, symptoms even more. Um, Surgery is the one which I wanna talk to you about that uh, uh, in rigidus, um, a lot of the time that you actually get that dorsal lipping and uh, that's bony development on the top. Now, when would you consider uh, sending them for a surgery? And um, we know that uh, it's a progressive condition. It's a progressive condition. Limitus turns into rigidus and then rigidus goes into more fixed when, and fixed.
0: When, fixed and when footwear and orthotics haven't haven't had an effect on their lifestyle and they still are not able to do the activities that they want to do, then I would consider referring on to surgery. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would agree with everything that you said uh, about both conditions. Um, I find... When I when I see this, you, you'll often see this, and Dorsey uh, may agree with me, may or may not agree with me. Sometimes, when a patient presents with 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 heel pain or arch pain, they often have Hallux limiters They have more, because they're because they're having to load other structures up. So when your toe hasn't got enough movement up, something else is going to compensate, uh, and that could be various structures. Um, one of the things also is if you've got limited motion um in your cuboid joint which is on the outside um of your foot you could whip into your uh first into your big toe a bit quicker than what you would normally do uh, that could lead to wear and tear and lead to had it's would i mean generally i would treat exactly what you said um and surgery for me because normally, by the time they require surgery, you're, you're talking about fusing it, aren't you? It's like, essentially, you're, you're talking about fusing the big yeah. toe. Because so you're not going to do well, anything. It depends on how much damage has already been done to it.
1: So basically, uh, the reason I, I said that is that uh, I've had some uh, recent sort of experience uh, with regards to the, the dorsal lipping. So mm. if you have an x-ray done, and the x-ray shows that there is a decent sort of joint spacing in the, in the joint, or well, the quality of the joint is rather good, but they have a little dorsal lipping on the top. So if you've got a joint which is getting blocked from the top, yeah. then what happens is that by just literally shaving off the bony prominence from the top, the just improves, um, improves the um, the um, considerably. Um, and uh, it's a fairly decent and uh, quick recovery as well with very good success rate.
0: Okay. I, I mean, I have no, I have no knowledge of it, but
1: yeah. It's, um, it but in this is this is sort of moderate limitus uh, um, sort of uh, uh, presentation. But when it gets to rigidus, uh, there is two things um, that usually it goes into that rigidus fused form anyway because it's progressing into that. Um, so you might not require a, a surgery. Um, all you do, if I, I I usually try to remove the movement. So my orthotic would uh, um, have like a fixed sort of plate under uh, uh, under the big toe, so that uh, it doesn't move anymore. And the, the less the movement, the less the pain. Okay. Cool.
0: we got anything left?
1: Turf toe. I'd like you to talk about the turf toe, please.
0: Turf toe. Okay, it's essentially a sprain. It's, a, it's essentially a spray of the plantar capsule, so it's 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 the first MTPJ um, structures. And that includes the plantar plate, includes the collateral ligaments, includes uh, a lot of the a lot of the structures within there. Happens a lot to athletes. So during the push off stage, so you're going to send your um, send your joint into hyperextension, and it can be managed very effectively by just reducing the swelling um, and you may need orthotics. I see this quite a bit because I see athletes, so I've seen footballers with this. Um, I've recently been treating uh, a couple of like decathletes um, and one of one one of them had turf toe uh, and they would present with just horrible pain and stiffness um, around, around the big toe. Um, I've never had to send anybody off for surgery, ever. Uh, it can be managed <laughs> by... But we, I might... I sometimes have changed... It's really hard with certain athletes because with athletes, they're very particular about what goes in their shoe because they, it's all about performance more than anything else. So it's, yeah. it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting conversation when I've had to give them orthotics. So I've had to change them a few times and I don't really mind as long as the patient is happy with it. But, you can if you are getting if you get your foot in that position at any stage in a sport that you play or if sometimes in a in a rugby player if they're in a if they're in a rock and they get pushed their toe will be forcibly pushed into that position um it can also cause that kind of damage um yeah so we moved you know when I first qualified we would talk about price uh, which was uh protection um,
1: What's protection rest eyes
0: compression elevation yeah and then we moved on to like police didn't we so police was
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh protection offloading uh and all the rest of it now you know what we've gone into now peace and love bro. peace and love peace and love bro it's completely changed <laughs> it's, they've given us a new acronym and i'm gonna go through it at like a different time but now we're talking about now one of the things is when you have a sprain You're not supposed to give anti-inflammatories. You're not supposed to put ice on it because they want inflammation to occur so that the healing process, uh, like um, kick start in. But if you ever watch a Premiership football game and you see a footballer get, they always put an ice pack on it. And these people have the best doctors in the world. So I don't know about this. Um,
1: Just like me, they probably haven't heard about uh, PSL. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they have, trust me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just managed as, as like a sprain and it's not, it's not a chronic thing generally. Unless a patient's constantly getting it, then we'll have to start taking some x-rays and the MRI to find out what's going on. What about you?
1: One of the, the, I don't know whether um, you've come across this or not, uh, but uh, you can actually get some uh, um, carbon fibre yeah. installed plates um, and uh, I quite like them.
0: Nick Knight introduced me to them yeah,
1: yeah. yeah they 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 generally um they don't take a lot of space in the shoe, and uh, they uh, they can provide that stiffness uh even in the shoes that, uh which are really tight or uh which um are really um doesn't have a lot of space.
0: I gave them to one of my four hundred meters printers once mm-hmm. uh, about. They must a year around uh, but anyway yeah, yeah but yeah. I think that covers turf toe really unless there's anything else you want to add? No. Sesamoiditis. Okay Tosif, so what are sesamoids?
1: Well sesamoids are little bones uh, which are present in the tendon uh, which attach to a bone. Um, so sesamoids. we've got sesamoids all over the place uh, uh, in our in our body but the ones which we are talking about are uh, right underneath the toe. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. The that place inside a tendon um i this so we normally diagnose this by palpating so we, when we palpate it along um so one of the things that can happen we've mentioned ditus meaning there's inflammation um you can get bifurcate you can actually get it breaking off as well um you can get fractures and stuff like that um you've mentioned everything and it covers it look padding strapping taping mobilization Non-cellular anti- anti-inflammatory steroid injection, orthotics, surgeries—never, never, 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 oh, never say never, that. never ever say. take the sesamoids out. <laughs> Did you? you
1: say that. You say that. But I had a uh, few months ago. I had a patient, a young lady, um, who has been suffering with sesamoiditis, um, hypermobile, um, a lot of movement in her um, in her joints. Um, had uh, all the things apart from the surgery. Um, she had uh, guided injection from the dorsal aspect. She had guided injection from the Royal Orthopedic from underneath. Uh, um, like all these top consultants doing uh, all these things for her, but she was in uh, still in severe pain, and uh, I was the one who referred her to surgery. Okay,
0: how is she getting on now?
1: Well, I haven't
0: heard anything uh, just yet so, so i um, i I am of the opinion that those are like um pivot points and I think they're essential uh, those two little bones, if I think if you take it out, I think you that like force we know from physics force doesn't go away Force mm. is the transfer somewhere else, okay uh, mm-hmm. and somewhere else that may lead to something a bit more substantial um i'll be interested to see how that lady how that lady gets on i i am not of the opinion that surgery uh for sesamoid discomfort or pain should ever be done um but i am not a surgeon like
1: like i said um she had anything and everything done um and uh without any success
0: i'll be interested to see what kind of outcome she gets Let's see what kind of outcomes. Let's see if her symptoms have, have alleviated or have they increased uh, or if, she, if she's now got a secondary issue um, because of that. But that'll be interesting. Um, this is really
1: diagnosed by palpation, isn't it? I mean, yeah, usually. I, I think uh, um, you can have x-rays and uh, stuff later on. But usually nine out of ten times you can uh, you can really diagnose it with uh, palpation. Often you know that uh, if there's a deviation of uh, the big toe joint because of bunion and stuff like that, you can see that it's not fitting into the groove that it needs to fit into. Um, I've got an image there which um, basically shows sesamoids uh, and where they sit in. And as soon as they like uh, move off their uh, um, place then they can come into, like we have a little ridge underneath the MTPJ, haven't we? And um, as soon as they come underneath a ridge, uh, that's when they start to become symptomatic. Cool, yes. Yes. Well, you wanted to talk about um, Joplin's neuroma. Go for it. Joplin's neuroma, Um, very rare, but it is a traumatic
0: neuritis. So it often occurs right on the side of the big toe. Uh-huh. is inflammation of a nerve very much like a uh, Morton's neuroma which is what we're going to talk about in the next episode uh, but is usually caused because of a trauma that is that has occurred to the big toe often misdiagnosed as a bunion pain settles very quickly with very small amount of injection um, sometimes conservatively just just leaving it alone for like a little while, just giving some anti-inflammatories. But it is something that um, I've only you know, it's like one of those things that if you only have a hammer in your toolbox, everything looks like a nail. Okay. So it's I've only really started to pick these up in the last couple of years because I learned about them. Before that, I would have thought it's just there's just random bunion pain. So it's like one of those things that once once you know that such a rare condition can occur and when you go through the history you realize a traumatic they banged it something happened and now they've had pain for two or three they've had pain for like six to eight weeks and they can't understand because there's no bruise there but they're getting these pins and needles they're getting these shooting they're getting all the neural symptoms that you would suggest and you look at it you think what's going on here and a couple of years ago i wouldn't have known but now now that i know um I have seen it a few more times but yeah um Joker's new neuroma something that can happen can happen
1: right i think that takes us to the end of the presentation and uh, um, i'd, I'd like you to re- i'd like you to read this for me because i've got a picture in front of the code and i can't see the full code so
0: okay Dosef- let me read it out tosef this is for you, all right? Well, Colombo. Okay, sorry, Colombo. Keep your eyes <laughs> on the stars and your feet on the ground. Theodore Roosevelt. Have you been yeah. recently? Has he come? <laughs> has he come to Harbour recently?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, love my uh, coat, so I thought I'd just add um, add this right to the end.
0: Well, I hope all the viewers and listeners found this episode helpful our next episode is going to be on Morton's new roma um, and we're going to carry on doing this until we are um, we are let loose out of the lockdown uh, absolutely is there anything else you want to add to this well um, i've been
1: i've Hello. enjoyed the <laughs> i've enjoyed the enjoyed the first episode as as well as this one and i think since that um, i've i've started watching columbo again <laughs> being being at home, um, I, I've uh, I've started uh, watching uh, Colombo. And uh, one more question, and I think uh, I think he's he's fantastic.
0: So I have to Is I have to buy, I you have have buy a blue coat, and you've got to buy a like, a
1: cream coat
0: now, because that's what they well, wear, don't they?
1: I I did start to take some pictures with the binoculars and stuff like that. Uh, um, magnifying glass, but uh, I think uh, that's a very good idea. I'm going to invest in uh, one of these uh, coats, uh, and um, we we ought to actually dress up and then sit down. Yeah, well, you're going to I I won't have to do too much because all I'll have to do is just look like a tramp, and I'll be <laughs> Columbo. <laughs> but you'll have to dress up. Uh, I I listen.
0: I don't mind dressing up. It's one thing I enjoy doing is taking care of myself. So that's all good. Um, Yes, I'm going to stop recording. I will speak to you soon. Great.